Good afternoon. My name is Scott, and you are listening to Western New York Brews, the Buffalo podcast about home brewing in um, Buffalo. So, do you miss me? I know it's been a while, but I've got good news. On this episode, I am joined by somebody else. His name is Clay, and he is the head brewer at 42 North in East Aurora. I got a chance to go there for the first time uh, and meet Clay. So here's a quick version of the story, because I'm going to have an episode where we talk just to Clay, and you can hear more about him. But I was looking for a co-host to hit more of the goals for this podcast, because I like to, I want to sit back and be the... Um, What's the word? The idiot? The <laughs> the uninformed. Because I want to learn. And, and a lot of these things that people are talking about, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. So I needed somebody who knew a lot more than I did. And you're going to see, or you're going to hear, I should say, when Clay talks, he knows a lot more than I do. And I don't have to play like I know anything. I can just ask because he's right here, which is great. So today, we are very lucky. I've been making cider recently. Um, I, I started in the fall, you know, perfect time to do it. And then I, I found some cheap cider at, at Walmart on the clearance rack and I made a second batch of cider. It's still up on one of my taps in the dining room. Um, and Clay, as soon as he came on board, goes, hey, you know, I know the head cider maker down at Cigar City in Tampa, Florida. So today we are talking to Jared, the head cider maker and mead maker, and he uses a word that I'm not sure of. So I'm going to put that on the episode notes here. So if you go to wnybrews.com forward slash episode 12, you're going to find out all of the information about Cigar City Cider, about Jared, and how to pronounce that word that means mead maker. So today I am drinking an apple cider. If you want to drink it with me, we are opening in three, two, one. So Jared, you there? I'm here. All right. Uh, so we're we're going to introduce you a little bit. Jared is the cider maker and and mead maker, and you you said a special word for that. But hold on. Yes, uh, at Cider City in Tampa, Florida. What else do do we need to know about you? What else should we know about you? Yeah, uh, cider maker, major uh, Cigar City um, Cider and Mead, which is a sister company to Cigar City Brewing. Um, and I come up with a uh, lot of funky flavors. So how do you know Clay? Uh, Clay and I actually have worked together in the past. Uh, my background is in uh, traditional fruit wine making. Um, actually, um, at a at a, his his father's plant. So, um, you know, I was the the winemaker over there. And um, when Clay uh, when Clay got out of the army, he came over and was uh, starting to brew beer. And so we uh, we got to hang out quite a bit and had a great time and came up with some good recipes and stuff. Yeah, I think Jared. Uh, I mean, you and I sort of pushed my father to to let us make beer. I think that's sort of how yes. I remember it. And so without you, man, I may not be uh, I might not be making beer tomorrow. But now I am. Oh yeah, and you're so I, I got to say beer, thank you. No, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> he says that from like three thousand miles away. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I've, had, I've had his beer support. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're. You're driving right now. Is that right? Sounds like you're driving. 
No, no, I actually just stepped outside. My children are still still awake, so it's a little uh, a little obnoxious in my house right now. <laughs> so are mine. I'm watching them try to get to sleep. So are you drinking exactly. anything? <clears throat> I'm sorry. Are you drinking anything at the moment? Oh, uh, of course. Uh, it's it's you know late enough at night where I'm having a nice highlight. Nice. Okay, I'm sorry. Quick story. Went to Disney over the summer and uh, pronounced it. Uh, as you would imagine, Jai Alai. Yep. Please. JLA, Jai Alai. And Jai uh, Alai. the guy was very nice. <laughs> very. <laughs> I've, I've had it before. I've seen it hundreds of times. I had never had to order it. Yep. And I've even heard people call it uh, Jolly Ollie. So. <laughs> I like that. Well, see, it's easier if you're from Tampa because there's actual high life frontons in okay. Florida. Jared, is that what they're called? Frontons? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, that, so that's where they play highlight. Uh, so, you know, you know how to pronounce it because they're there. <laughs> I knew of the sport, and I knew of the beer. I had no idea that was how you spelled it until the guy politely corrected me. <laughs> oh, it's highlight. And I go, oh, like the sport. And he goes, yes, like right. the sport. Yep. The not-so-un... Uh, not-so-unrigged sport of highlight. <laughs> that's, that went over my head. Yeah, it's a highly... Uh, Corrupt uh, sport, really? gambling sport. Yeah. Yes. So they I heard. actually shut down most places uh, the sport can be played. There's only one place in the state of Florida and Orlando that is now played at all. Huh. See, this is good is stuff it? to know. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's an awesome sport to watch, by the way. That's what I hear. What? Uh, how long have you been doing cider? Not you personally. How long has Cigar City been doing cider? Um, actually they, they approached me, um, when I was the winemaker to run the pilot project. And this was back in 2000 and, uh, 2013. Yeah. 2013. Um, and they, they were looking for a place because the, the federal laws, uh, you cannot have a winemaking facility and a brewery, um, basically connected. Okay. Um, so they came to me and asked me to run the pilot project on, on their ciders. Um, so I, I worked with the guy that they had hired from, um, um, uh, which we'll call it, uh, from a cidery out of New York. And, uh, we kind of ran the, the test, the test batches and then I tweaked it. Um, and then obviously I liked the work I did from there because, uh, we built quite a few recipes and then they, uh, they asked me to join them. Why did they come to you? Because of the because of the wine experience. Because uh, of the wine experience and the licensing, so they didn't have to go out and purchase a facility just to run pilot projects. Um, so yeah, they came to me. They, and obviously, I think I made somewhat of a a good name for myself. I guess you could say with the uh, with the work that I have been doing in the past um, with the wine. So yeah, uh, they it. felt it was, very. It was great cider in. from from day one, man. It was great cider. What. What kind of apples are you using? Uh, we actually use uh, quite I'm a few stealing different blends. It, go. <laughs> I'm sorry? I said I'm stealing it. Go. I want exact percentages. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the best, uh, the, the percentages that I use are usually uh, about 40% um, basically dessert apples, uh-huh. uh, a little bit of bittersweet apples, and then uh, a little bit of sharp apple. Um, so uh, the... The dessert apples that I use are Fuji and Gala. Um, the the sharp apples are more of the wine sap, which I like per- personally. Um, and the the bittersweet, um, you know, we use some uh, some Fox Swope. 
in there and uh quite nice uh i that's one thing that i i'm actually jealous that i don't get to get to new york and try all these wonderful apples you guys have up there because we pretty much locked in our recipe for our original uh center and until until we uh until i have an opportunity to actually take a vacation i guess and go off the east coast here to start hitting some orchards and, yeah. and collecting some different I, apples. I got some extra rooms man come on up in the fall we'll, <laughs> we'll tour around hit the orchards and we can, we can taste some apples I have a basement. Yeah, <laughs> we're there now. So, what? Um, where do you get your apples? How do you? How do they ship them? I mean, isn't that expensive? They ship them from a state where you can actually grow apples and get them down to Tampa. Yeah, actually, the uh, the, the the first designing product um, was set up by the guy that they brought down from New York, and so we actually went through a broker and we're getting our apple shipped down from Washington State. Hmm. Oh, okay. So, wow, a lot of yeah. a lot of juice, Even further. a lot of trucking, and uh, and so you know until you know we kind of we kind of had the, the the recipe sort of set in stone as far as the apple blend, um, kind of right off the right off the bat because uh, we kind of we kind of knew where which direction we wanted to go with the cider, which is uh, still a new world cider, um, but with a um, a little and some some nice sharp acidity in there. Um, with enough sweetness just to balance it out, and but yet dry enough where it's very easy to drink. Uh, so we've kind of we've kind of gone off that uh, since then. Now, where very can nice. we find a cigar city? Because I was looking for a cigar city cider to try to have for tonight, and I couldn't find one. But I mean, we're up in New York, so um, I actually have shipped uh, some product up to New York before. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, we, the the biggest thing that we have been noticing, kind of like with the growth of Cigar City Brewing itself, is uh-huh. um, keeping keep it in our own backyard is becoming quite difficult. So um, hopefully here shortly, uh, I'm getting ready to package up some more homemade apple pie cider, and hopefully some of those cans will be able to make it up to uh, to New York and Philly and and, oh, wow. and Jersey. So what's the what's the process like? I mean, last time I was there, I saw a lot of uh, wine tanks, uh, you know, Latina tanks, flat bottoms. Uh, what are you guys? What, what what is it still that way? What are you making the cider in? Uh, yeah, the, um, uh, variable capacity uh, Latina tanks. Uh, I like to use those um, just because of the variable capacity. We can actually set the lid on top of the product after fermentation is complete. What are those? Uh, sorry to interrupt you. What what do those look like? Uh, what, you know, what to to somebody that's never seen. Uh, you know, a small uh, wine tank like that. Yeah, it's a flat bottom tank with a uh, with a butterfly valve on it. Um, the, the tanks that I use uh, for for me, excuse me, specifically, is um, about 260 gallons. Uh, we're actually increasing our production of our cider so much we've actually had to um, basically go off site to produce our cider because we're doing it upwards of 725 barrels at a time. Wow. Yeah. Where are you doing that at? Uh, there's a co-packer that's um, out in the middle of the state. Okay. Um, it's a very, very nice facility, and they've got enough tank space to where they've uh, been gracious enough to allow us to use a couple of their tanks at a time. Excellent. Excellent. Now, I, I would assume at that facility, you can you can control temperatures and, uh, and that sort of thing, jacketed tanks at, at, at your retail location in Ybor City there in Tampa. You probably... You know, you probably don't have that. It's probably ambient, but what's, I mean, temperature wise for fermentation, do you, you try to control it? Is there a certain range? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the biggest thing with making, with making any product is knowing your yeast. Um, 
brewing and making beer, um, making ciders, making wines, whatever it is, uh, designing your product around uh, the juices, um, the honeys, and the apples, whatever it is, and choosing the yeast strain that's going to be able to handle whatever temperatures you have available. Uh, for instance, down here in Florida, it gets quite hot. So um, in the wintertime, I can actually use my desired strains on a product. Uh, summertime, sometimes I have to actually use a different strain that's um, that's going to be able to work at a higher temperature without producing, uh, you know, off flavors or, or, you know, off alcohols and, uh, you know, producing a seasonal aldehyde or something like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Ed, here up in, up in Buffalo, I don't know, Scott, maybe you can answer, it's, but a lot of people want to do things in their basement when it's wintertime. Their yeah, basements the are 60, opposite. 70 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We start looking yeah. towards, looking towards loggers in the winter. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the, the biggest thing is, um, you know, m- m- doing the research on the yeast strain itself. Um, one of my favorite strains to use for, uh, making cider is, um, it's actually a wine yeast uh, from um, out of Australia. It's called a Morvan, uh, Morvan product, and that, uh, that product is excellent, but it, it's very temperature sensitive. So anywhere between like 60 to 70 degrees, ideal. If it gets above, uh, if it gets above like 75 degrees, and starts throwing off diacetyl, mm-hmm. um, which is very, very uh, not good to have in a cider. Just <laughs> sure. Uh, Moravan, is that what you said? Moravan, yes. Moravan. Now, what about for like the, uh, you know, somebody just getting into it? What's a good sort of the the average, the uh, Ferminus USO5, uh, you know, fail safe yeast for making cider? Actually, uh, yeah. USO5 is great. USO4 oh, really? <laughs> is great. Okay. Um, yeah, really it's sure. very, very cold. I, just, I was mainly guessing, but I'll, right, I'll, I'll take the credit the for that. fridge. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yep. Um, another one is, uh, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're really just getting into it and you're looking for, you know, since you guys are up there and you actually have wonderful apples, if you want to produce an apple wine, um, you know, uh, Red Star does, uh, 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 what is it called? Coast the Block. That's, uh, that's a great yeast Um, and you can produce some, some very good ciders with that as well. Nice. And the, the nice thing is, is pretty much every homebrew shop will have some of that. Yeah. Gotcha. So you're getting, are you getting juice? You're getting juice shipped in. Or are you getting actually apples shipped in and you're pressing them? No, 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 no. We're getting juice shipped in. Um, yeah, it's just, just too costly to, to ship whole apples and run through the whole gamut of uh, crushing, pressing um, in order to get the juice. So uh, to save on costs, we, you know, we've got a, a great um, a juicery up in uh, Washington State, and they, uh, they produce our, our apple blend exactly the way we want it, so it's very consistent every time. What about uh, gravities? What do, what do you typically, you know, original gravity, final gravity? Uh, well, you know, I actually don't work with uh, using specific gravity. What I use is actually uh, the brick scale. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, the OG, um, as you could say, uh, would probably be around about 11 and a half, 11.5, 11 and a half um, bricks. And that way... Um, you know, the yeast strain is going to be working very actively and, and cause the, cause the fermentation to fall out pretty quickly and then it'll, it'll finish dry and clean. Do they sweeten it up so, with anything afterwards? Yeah, we do. Uh, we like to use, uh, some more of our, our proprietary blend of apples to sweeten it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then even if it needs a little bit more, we'll touch it up with a little bit of cane sugar. Um, one of the other things is when you're choosing your yeast strain, uh, a lot of yeast strains out there, especially wine yeast strains, will uh, consume malic acid. Uh, so you want to pick a strain mm-hmm. depending on your blend of apples uh, to make sure that, you know, if it's going to be very acidic, you can pick a strain that's going to choose through some of those mal- some of the malic acid. Or if it's on a little bit on the lighter side, you want to choose a strain that doesn't chew any malic acid. Depending on what flavor you're going for? What's it going to taste like, malic acid? I'm sorry? I don't know. The malic acid, what's it going to taste like if, if it's producing more of that? Do you know? Uh, it's going to be very sharp. Um, okay. Very sharp, very acidic. Um, so depending on the, the blood of apples that you're going to have, you're going to have, um, I, I mean, it's, uh, I actually prefer it with, to have a little bit more malic acid. And I like a little bit drier with a little bit more of a bite, which where it's kind of like almost biting into a grainy smith is kind of the way I would explain it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm definitely a drier cider guy myself. What, uh, what about that? Uh, I was always curious, you know, in the wine world, uh, you know, when I watched you make it, and help to stir the pat with the paddle there in the big vat. Uh, yep. You guys would uh, would stop fermentation, you know, so you you could kind of control where you stopped fermentation. You know, obviously, in the beer world, you kind of got to let it ride out, and you can't really stop fermentation. Uh, how about in the cider world? I mean, do you do you let it go all the way and then back sweet from there, or can you kind of stop the the fermentation with a with a chemical agent like in the wine world? Uh, you, you definitely can try to stop it. Uh, my, my preference is actually design the product to where you're actually getting the alcohol that you want and then back sweetening. That way you can keep consistency across the board. But, uh, you know, in the home world, yeah, you definitely can. Um, the best thing is to try to cold crash and then, uh, as soon as you cold crash, take it off the leaves or the, or the yeast cake. Um, and then use potassium metabisulfite, which is going to, uh, make the environment very harsh for the yeast to survive. And then uh, they'll pretty much stop from there. Gotcha. So let's assume that I've never made a cider before, which is not true, but I, we can honestly say I've never made a very good cider. <laughs> if I was going to start making a cider for the first time and I'm a home brewer, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Would, you, would you go to, to the grocery store? Would you go to your local orchard? What would you do? I would go to the local orchard. Uh, most of the stuff that you're going to find in the grocery store is probably going to have um, you know, like Mox is going to have some sort of stabilizing agent, whether it's potassium metabisulfite or potassium yeah. sorbate in it. Uh, something to kind of keep all the all the microorganisms at bay. Even so at the Whole Foods, actually go to the uh, go to the orchard. Um, yeah, you know, hopefully they have a couple of varieties there. You can test them out. You know, take a couple sips, see what you like, blend them together, and kind of run from there. Would organic apples be any better for people that can't get to an orchard? Uh, yeah, they I mean, if you can, you can, Whole Foods is, or, 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 uh, natural food stores like that usually will have, uh, apple juice that is fermentable. Ah. Um, cause they didn't allow a lot of those chemicals in there. So, gotcha. um, that's a, a very good route to go as well. Great. Great. Last question for, for me on the cider. Uh, are you guys packaging? What are you, you kegging it? You're, uh, you're bottling. What are you guys doing? We're kegging it and we're canning it. Ah, can cider. Yeah, that's, it's kind of nice. Um, we actually have been able to get away from some of the stabilizing agents by uh, actually pasteurizing the cans. So that's that's quite nice. Oh, cause, wow. um, uh, like wine, ciders will age over time and get better and better. So we can actually um, pasteurize it, use very minimal stabilizing agents, 
uh, heavy filtration and has a great product that's going to last for years on end. So what what do you recommend for the the guy starting out at his house? You, uh, put it in a keg, uh, try to bottle condition it. What, what do you think? Uh, I'd actually bottle condition. Uh, I think that'd be the best thing to do because um, then you can build up some carbonation in it um, have a very unique natural natural cider. Um, nice. Just make sure that you're, you don't have too many residual sugars in there so you don't have bottles blowing up. <laughs> I got nervous. I got scared, so I kegged. I, I yeah, yeah. threw it in the kegerator and I, I put some gas on it. And it took a lot more gas than a beer would um, oh, yeah. just to get it up to sparkling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially with the, since there's no proteins left in there yeah. uh, to, to speak of, then you, you really have no head retention. So, Yeah, zero head retention. I was just mm-hmm. looking for some sort of, some like effervescence in there. And to even get that, I had to turn it up to 20 or 24. Yeah, you guys probably go pretty high volumes there, right? Like you know, high twos, three, how, how high do you go? Yeah, uh, we pack it, usually package it at 2.5 volume. Oh, okay. That's not, no, too, not too high, yeah. Yeah, like a good IPA. Yeah, yeah there you go. Did you want to switch to mead? Is that- yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, I know nothing about mead. No, so nor, I'm, I'm neither excited. do I, Jared. I I, uh, I tasted okay. one at a festival um, recently that uh, I thought, uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't a fan. Maybe I just don't like meads. Um, I've had some sizers actually very recently. Uh, so I want to ask you about those too. Those are pretty interesting, I think. But um, you know, yeah. where, where do you guys start off with the mead? Where do you get the where do you get the honey to, to make that? Uh, one of the most thing, the best things that I have here in Florida is we have more apiaries than anybody else in the country. Uh, so there's more bees feeding off of different flowers. Down is that there. a bee farm? <laughs> yeah, so it's a bee farm. A bee farm. Yeah. Right. Where bees are grown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so um, yeah, I mean, I've got very, very unique honeys that I find down here. Uh, some very unique um, possibilities of creating very interesting products. I could say. Um, but yeah, I mean the best the best part about that is is meads are extremely easy to do. Um, especially if you're trying to do a show mead, you just go out to your local apiary, go out to your local um, health food store once again, uh, find a honey that you really like. Uh, orange blossoms probably got to be one of the best. Yeah, that's gonna be my um, next question. If you prefer orange blossom over wild or blueberry or whatever else is out there. Yeah, well, I mean. Uh, for for a show I think orange blossom is probably one of the, the best kinds you can get. Um yeah, you know, we also have the two poplar down here, um, which tends to be like one of the most sought after honeys in the world, um, which is very good as well. Um but you can actually it's very easy, you just take your honey and mix it in with a some a little bit of warm water. Um, add some a little bit of nutrient to it to make sure that it's got a healthy environment because the honey is so deprived of uh, nitrogen. Uh, um, do that and pitch your yeast and wait a while. <laughs> what kind of yeast is thrown in there? Uh, there's, you know, and, and also I, 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 I do a little bit more of a direct route. A lot of, especially home brewers and stuff like that, actually like to um, boil the honey a little bit to make sure that it's kind of sterile. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that because uh, I actually think you're cooking off aromas and flavors that you can lock into that product. Um, but yeah, the yeast strains, um, depending, because there's so many different styles of mead. Um, you have right. mellow mills, you have hydro mills, um, you have piments, um, and even like an oxy mill, which is mixed with, uh, with like uh, a wine vinegar. Um, very interesting stuff. 
Wow, I had no idea. There's so many different varieties. Yeah, of I meat. think we just sent some people to Google. Yeah, yeah. Can you? Oh, yeah. Do you I, I don't. I don't. You know, I, I have no idea about your scholarship abilities uh, and, and your intellectual uh, history and mead history. You know, the expertise on that. But can you give us a little bit of you know some of those sure, different sure. styles? Where is it from? Where does it originate? Why are there so many different ones? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is, and actually, this is the cool story that I could probably tell you as uh, the story of the honeymoon. Um, since meads are actually the oldest. Is this a PG 13 show, Scott? Oh, yeah. It's, it yeah. could be explicit if we. The honeymoon story. <laughs> but, yeah, the honeymoon story. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, yeah, when, back in the day when the Vikings, when the, the, uh, groom to be would actually go to the bride to be's father and ask for her hand in marriage, um, if he'd, uh, you know, if he accepted the, the the offer and didn't lop off his head. Um, then what the father the father of the bride would do is actually would go out and find uh, a beehive and collect the honey, um, put it in a clay pot, add some water and a piece of bread and bury it on the ground. Um, so the the engagement would last a full lunar cycle, and then on the next full moon would be the wedding. And then the father of the bride would actually go out and pull up, dig up the, the clay pot, and after the wedding, everybody would get drunk on the full moon, and it's called the honeymoon. Nice, nice. What, what if they dug it up and it didn't taste good? Did they, oh, yeah. you know, did they annul the marriage? or <laughs> Lopped ahead. <laughs> Jared, are you there? That's a Glenn. Nope. Oh, okay. We still got him back. Second. Good. Oh, you got me? We lost you for a second. I asked you if it was if it tasted bad. Did they did they annul the marriage or? I I don't know. That'd be a good question. <laughs> <I ask. laughs> oh, cool. So so uh, you know, uh, all you ever hear about meat is it takes forever to make. Um, so fermentation is it? I would assume fermentation time is roughly the same as a wine, a cider. But is it the aging process? Yes. Yeah. Well, there's there's two different uh, states of mind on that. Uh, mine is. Uh, being in the professional world, if I'm not turning your product over, obviously we're not making money. Right. Um, the other, the other method is, you know, make sure that it takes very long time and then thinking that by the time it's completed, you're going to have a very excellent product, which is, it's true in both forms. Um, now, since there is very little nitrogen content in the honey, um, if you're not adding some nutrient to it, then it is going to, it can take up to a year, year and a half to ferment out. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, which is, which is, um, I've actually had some homebrew, uh, meads that were phenomenal. I think I little told me it took them, you know, 11 months to get a finished product. Wow. Um, <laughs> a month of Sundays. So, kind of patience. <laughs> oh, yeah. Month of Sunday so, batch. But, uh, you know, the aging process does take a little bit, uh, usually because they come out quite boozy. Um, and once that boozy character kind of dissipates, which usually takes anywhere between three and six months, depending on the style that you're making. And you usually have a very, very solid product. Very good, very, a very good wine that you can share with friends. Nice. Nice. So I've been, there's a guy here locally I just met who's doing his, he has a winery and he's doing, uh, you know, cider, mead and cider in, uh, yep. wines. Uh, is that a sizer? Is that what that is? That is a sizer. Okay. Yeah, have you, ever, you guys no. do any of those? Have you done one? Uh, yeah, actually, I did. I um, do, actually, we have uh, the cider and mead fest going on down here this Saturday. 
Oh, nice. Um, which is really cool. It's always a great time. We have meteries and cider, cider houses across the country that come out and, and pour at this event uh, locally. Um, but I actually created a rhubarb sizer. I used the uh, Macintosh apples, um, orange blossom honey, and rhubarb. And it came out really well, I think. This so, sounds really good. Yeah. So in this, if I get this right, instead of the water with the honey, you use cider with the honey in the beginning of the process? Is that is that all there is to it, or is there more? Yeah, uh, depending on your ABV that you want, yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly what I did, because I wanted something that was very, very big and bold. Okay. Um, you can diminish the the amount of I shouldn't of say cider and honey. Bit. It's actually apple juice and honey, not not cider and honey. Right. But. Yeah, apple juice and honey. Um, I, 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 yeah, I went, I went for 13 and a half percent. Uh, oh, that's that, was, that was very big and bold. <laughs> okay. Um, so I just used red apple juice and honey, mixed it up and, and, uh, and actually fermented out with the rhubarb. It was great. Okay. Right. Do you have any, um, uh, any tips for, for home mead makers? Oh, I, I mean, thought you were going to say samples. Like yeah, you yeah those samples? too. We need those. <laughs> I can give you my address. <laughs> um, so home, yeah. home mead making, I mean, what, uh, uh, what to do, what not to do? Uh, the biggest thing is choose your honeys wisely is the biggest thing. Um, if it if it doesn't seem like it's a great honey to begin with, don't use it. Um, straight from the apiary, you can usually find very, very good honey. Um, and then use, I would I would recommend using like a, a yeast strain called um, uh, 71B. It's very, very solid. It'll work well for you. Uh, use clean water, uh, mix mix your honey well, um, and actually find a little bit of a fermented K or some other some other nitrogen source. So and that, you that's put, your nitrogen to hurry the process a little bit. Yeah, put put a you know half a gram to one gram per gallon depending on the on your beginning gravity, okay. and uh, put your yeast leave it in a carboy. Yeah, I think a homebrew shop fer- would have something similar to a fermented K if they don't have exactly yeah, fermented K. But yeah, they definitely should. They a definitely wine, should. wine nutrient um, probably. Yeah, and usually, I mean, depending on your alcohol content, uh, the, the the good rule of thumb, if you want something a little bit lighter, use 10 pounds of honey per five gallons. Uh, you want something kind of middle of the road, um, use 12 pounds. And if you want something that's going to finish a little sweeter, use 15 pounds of honey per five gallons. Okay. Per five gallons. All right. Hey, that's that's exactly half an hour. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, you guys should come down here and, uh, and get out of that nice cold weather up there. Yeah, right. It's actually beautiful <laughs> today, but normally it is. It's terrible. I'll put it on Scott's company card. Yeah, right. The, the Western yeah. New York Bruce podcast <laughs> have a card. company card? <laughs> <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> or better yet, maybe I should get out of the heat and go out there. No, you got to come here for yeah, sure. Right? Yeah, both ways. I'll, I'll be there. I got too many, uh, too many family members there to not go, but, uh, you need to come up here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about it. Yeah, the uh, the trip that I took out to Sweden was was awesome. I was actually cold out there. Yeah, tell us about that. You, you just went there. Oh yeah, yeah. I flew out and uh, landed in Copenhagen and uh, went up to uh, um, Sweden, Helsingborg, Sweden, and did a collaboration with Bruski. Uh, we did a braget. Um, wow. We used acacia honey. We're going to put coconut and lime in it, and then dry hop it with some citra. What was the organization that the uh that you went, that you collaborated with? Uh, Bruski. Bruski. Is that a very yep. popular uh, mead maker over there? Uh, no, he's a very popular brewery, actually. Uh, he won the award for best new brewery on Ray Deer. No, oh, nice. Huh. Yeah, um, great great people over there. Had a great time. Um, 
and actually did a collaboration for Warpig as well, which is kind of cool. We did oh, that wow. with Ice Tower. So. Wow, that's killer. Okay, I'm getting thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you, you have any really embarrassing stories about Clay? <laughs> um, <laughs> don't answer No, that. actually, surprisingly, not <laughs> even the one person that I oh. can say that I don't have a really embarrassing story about. No, no, no. Well, no, actually, we made this uh, we made this mud run one time. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was a heck of fun. We, we used to, on the winery property, this is the kind of crazy stuff we would do. We hosted a mud run back when mud runs were just getting popular. Now now they have them every weekend. But uh, back then they weren't that popular. But we we had a blueberry pit where basically, because he made blueberry wine, Jared. Yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the wines he made was a blueberry wine. So uh, we, we stacked this pit full of blueberries and people had to run in there and run through it and what did we do i think we put something in there to keep it from uh going bad until the run and then we might have yeah, put we, a little too much yeah we put a little sulfide in there um, <laughs> and uh well, yeah, when we were doing the test runs it was, it was a little strong <laughs> yeah so so not only was it a blueberry challenge it was also a sulfide challenge nice. <laughs> yeah it's hard to gauge how much of the liquid we actually had in there <laughs> it worked though nothing it didn't ferment it didn't uh, go bad it, to- yeah. it definitely worked yeah, by the time of the mud run, it was all right. I, I just can't wait till the future the future uh, cultures dig up that uh, <laughs> dig up that land and find a pile of blueberries and go, hey, what the heck was going on here? <laughs> right, some weird. <laughs> they were sacrificing home. blueberries. <laughs> hey, Jared, yeah, thank was, you, thank you yeah. for talking, man. Oh, no problem. Thank you, guys. I, I, yeah, I like. I went into a zone of trying to just pick up as much as I possibly could. Uh, so well, you know, this is you really can good. always email me, and uh, and I'll be more than happy to help you out in any way, shape, or form. You know, that's a really good question. Is there a way people can get a hold of you if they have a, a question? I'm not going to send everybody to your email address, but is there an email address maybe you check every once in a while that people can ask you questions? Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, send me send us me at winemakerj at gmail dot com. All right. And then if you're down in the the Tampa area, go see them in Ybor City, and uh, go see. Uh, their main brewery not too far away about five miles yep excellent yeah i I would suggest you go to the main brewery first before you come to my place and get me drunk (laughs) (laughs) all right well hey thank you again thank you very much guys hopefully you found that interesting uh, if you want to find out more information, go to wnybrews.com forward slash episode 12. And I'm going to ask you to do me a favor for the next couple of episodes. If you could, if you know somebody around the Buffalo area in the 716 here who brews, turn them on to our show. Let them know. Go to wnybrews.com. If you want this to be the first one they listen to, go to wnybrews.com forward slash episode 12. Otherwise, I do like episode one. Probably one of my favorites is is with Adam Richmond and the guys from Resurgence. Check that one out if you haven't. If you can for me, either let somebody you know uh, know about this show or go to iTunes and rate and review this show. It's fairly simple to do. In fact, if you go to wnybrews.com forward slash rate, I'm going to show you how to do that. But that shows other people that people are listening to this show and hopefully gets us in front of more people and we can do more things because I have I have a lot of goals for 2016 for this show and I hope to make them all come true. So if you could for me, please go to wnybrews.com forward slash rate or rate and review us on iTunes or at least tell somebody else about the show wnybrews.com. On the next episode, we are going to be talking to Willard, the president 
of the Buffalo Niagara Association of Brewers. So that is on episode 13 of the West New York Brews podcast. My name is Scott. Once again, thank you for joining me and thank you to Clay for hopping on board. Thank you to the Rearview Ramblers for letting us use their song. You can't buy beer with condolences for our theme song. I will see you next week. Uh, Clay and I will both see you next week on episode 13. Thank you. Because you can't.